I would like to welcome everybody to the Chillin' with Dylan podcast. I am your host, Dylan Deckard. Today's special guest is Cliff Hogg from Big Brother 21. We're going to be talking about all things BB22, All-Stars 2, um, Nicole Anthony being evicted, Nicole and Janelle's relationship, and we dive into BB21 and his thought process as the season was wrapping up. So enjoy. All right, so my first question is just how are you doing? Uh, it's been a rough year for everybody. There's a pandemic going on. So how are you doing? How's your family? Um, just to start off. Uh, yeah, we're doing good. <clears throat> you know, I thought I was going to be quarantined last summer, and then I'd come back to the real world. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. Came back to the real world, and I'm still quarantined. Yeah. <laughs> through the same. Uh, yeah, it was very interesting. I, I do Big Brother. Then I come out. There's a certain amount of time it takes just to decompress, get, get used to the family and everything else again. And just as I get through all of that, COVID starts hitting again, and, and here we are. But at least now we've got Big Brother 22, the all-stars to keep us. Uh, there's a good excuse to stay indoors and, and just glued to the TV set now. Yeah, keep us entertained. Um, so this week we had – I want to jump right into this past week. We had both of your – Big Brother 21 house gets on the block, and we ended up seeing your ally, Nicole Anthony, um, go a lot earlier than she did last um, season. So I want to just know, I want to ask you, how do you feel about the first two weeks of uh, Big Brother 22, and what were your thoughts on uh, Memphis's HOH reign targeting the Big Brother 21 duo? Yeah, it's, it's tough. I mean, these are obviously very, very strong players. Uh, let me say, first of all, I, I really like the cast. I think they got a nice spread from a lot of different seasons, but yeah, I hated to see Nicole Anthony go home, uh, but it's—I don't know. I, I, I like the—I like the cast. I, I like that safety suite twist that they use these first few weeks. Uh, but I am—I guess—a little bit disappointed because I'm starting to see all this power uh, congregate or, or really, really all take place on one side, kind of the new school players, and yeah. it's starting to remind me a little bit of my season where you just had this big alliance and a lot of outsiders trying to survive and fit in. I really was hoping this last HOH uh, set of Tyler, we could have had someone on the other side winning an HOH. So you would have gotten one of the situations, people taking shots at each other back and forth. Now it seems like it's going to be perhaps a boring couple of weeks until eventually the, that big alliance has to start going after each other. Now, once that happens, it's going to be a lot of fun. But until then, it may not be quite as exciting as I was hoping for. Yeah, I'm waiting for some big moves to happen. And it looks like if we're all praying that Janelle wins the veto, if she doesn't, then we might have uh, some, a boring few weeks. I want to talk about Nicole A and Janelle. Yeah. Because um, obviously she was very wrong about yeah. how she, what she thought about Janelle. Uh, Julie even told her that Janelle was crying over her. And you can tell that Nicole was upset about it. So my question is, why do you think Nicole was so skeptical of Janelle? Was it because of it's Janelle, it's the big threat Janelle or do you think the other side got into her head about it uh, I, I think it's a couple of things and I almost don't think it's you get so paranoid in that house and we're dealing with such limited information the the human body the brain doesn't like limited information you try to fill in the pieces and make assumptions as best you can and I think that's what happened to her and I don't think it's even as much the other side getting into Cole's head because you expect the other the other side to, to kind of be lying to you a lot. But it's the fact that to some degree, some of the people that she, she relied upon and trusted either intentionally or unintentionally was giving her some bad reads and some bad information that was helping confirm some of the, the suspicions she may have already had. So as soon as she had a little bit of suspicion and then a couple of people, someone like a Kevin came to her and said, no, you're right. And this is what I've seen that confirms it as well. Well, then you suddenly, your mind just, starts filling in the, those gaps and it just leads on from there. Mm -hmm. um, so you played with Nicole uh, for what I think was like 90 days, 92 days last? Yeah, 90, 92 days. 92 days last season. So yeah. you know how she plays. The two weeks that she played, do you think she was playing the same game she played last season? Or do you think she tried to change it up a little bit and that maybe was what burned her in the end? Uh to a large degree, I think she was trying to play the, the same game. And it's just because who she is as a person. She's a very uh, sweet, friendly person that, that tries to be nice to everyone. And, and a lot of times that works, especially in the early part of the, the season. You don't want to be a target 
and the easiest target is to be friends with everyone and and at the same time make yourself not look like you're a threat at all and and i think she was she was doing that quite well now i do think that as she went through our season she got more confidence and i think to some degree she probably had told herself i want to be confident in this game and and really forceful and everything else uh to follow up at the end of last season and that may have bit her just a little bit because then when she feels like she's under the gun a little uh she kind of strikes back she's trying to exert some of what she may have seen from last season so she may have tried to switch it up a little bit but i, I gotta say to, to some degree yeah nicole was an early target i'm not so i'm not sure it's so much anything that she did as much as she and david as well just in the end turned into pawns for some other bigger profile players in that game and she was just collateral damage in, in, in a lot of regards. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, so talking about David, um, you played with David last season. I'm saying play loosely because he uh, was the first one banished. Yeah. Um, so there was some controversy to David being casted because a lot of people said, how are you going to cast somebody that really has never played the game? Um, yeah. My mindset was give him another chance. I mean, he's the only one that has never been – voted out and also has never been thrown out by production or DQ yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Um, so what's your thoughts on David being asked back? Do you agree with it? Do you wish somebody else more deserving would have gotten the call? And just, if you could just talk about his uh, selection of David. I, I'm happy to see him in there because, uh, well, uh, I mean, let's be clear. He, he, he doesn't really qualify as an all-star using the typical labels mm -hmm. uh, because he was so, so short in our game. But I don't care. I, I'm still glad he's in there. Uh, he was banished on day one, as was I. And it just came down to, to me beating him in, in that particular competition to survive the first day. And then during the battle back competition, once again, it was he and I both competing for a single slot. And fortunately for me, I won. But because of that, it easily I could easily be in exactly the same situation as, as David, either on that first day or during the battle back. And and I could have been griping about the fact that I had such – I just hate seeing these first-day twists that send yeah. people out the door. And so, yeah, do you want to argue that he's not an all-star? Fine, I get it. I, I won't disagree with you. But I so much wanted him to get another chance to get in because I knew how much it meant to him. I knew how he just kind of got the, the down-and-dirty treatment on, on that day one, as did I. But, you know, I, it's, it's easy to empathize with him. So. I am incredibly happy that he's getting a second chance. Um, so we've had two, two and a half weeks so far, kind of. How do you think David's playing the game? Um, do you think he's in a good spot? I mean, I know he was just in the block, but it seemed like they were both pawns, like you said. So how do you think he's doing so far? Oh, you know, he's, he's just kind of there. He, I don't know that he's doing a whole lot more other than just just hanging around and, and trying to survive. And I get it. And, and the problem David has right now, I think, is he is a lot newer to the game. He doesn't have the, the experience to, for this long ride that, that so many of these other people have had. And so many newbies, including myself and, and just about everyone, I think, that comes into the house for the first time, you tend to play scared those first few weeks. It's all about as long as it's not me, as long as I'm safe these first few weeks, I'll do whatever. And especially given his situation where he was uh, out the door so quick last season, he wants to do whatever it takes to just stick around and not be an early boot, uh, which is good. Uh, early game, he's doing what he needs to do. The problem is he's everybody's way down on the totem pole accessory. I don't really feel like he's tight with anyone, uh, which suggests to me that I could see him, uh, I can see him easily making it to jury but I could see him being an early to mid jury boot, maybe finishing sixth, seventh, something like that. The one area where he may have a little bit of an edge uh, or an opportunity. Uh, one, I, I do think uh, he, along with Bailey and Devon, ha have a, a connection that, that may help him somewhat. But really beyond even that one, I think he and Tyler are, are tighter and, and associated more, and people aren't necessarily seeing that as much some of the other alliances and duos and I could see Tyler taking him a long way thinking that you know David may be someone that's under the radar that can be a vote for me for a long way so if he sticks with Tyler he may he may take it even a little bit further yeah there are whispers in the live feeds that Danny and Nicole Frenzel might 
try to take out the Enzos, the Tylers. So if we get that big alliance to crumble, it seems like it might turn into boys versus girls. Yeah. He'll have the Tyler, the Cody, the Memphis on his side. And if yeah. Well, and I think, yeah, and I think that puts David, for example, in a good position because they're going to be much bigger targets than himself uh, going into it. Uh, and David, kind of a double-edged sword. On the one hand, he intentionally, I have heard, did not watch a lot of seasons. He wanted to come in kind of fresh. He didn't want to just re rehash the same old strategies that people have used in the past. So as a result, maybe he's a little bit more unpredictable, may do some things that people aren't suspecting and all of that. Uh, but he's also, he's playing a little bit uh, on, the, on the download, acting like he doesn't know nearly as much as he does, uh, trying to just make himself as little a threat as possible. And, and that, may, that may serve him well until he gets to the end where it comes down to not so much we're getting rid of someone because they're a threat, but because I've got my alliances and you're not part of it, so I, you got to go out the door. Mm -hmm. uh, so we had Memphis's HOH reign this past week, and there was talks that he was going to try and take out Ian, a former yeah. winner. Um, so if Christmas did not save Ian in the, in the safety suite, do you think Memphis would have targeted Ian? And how do you think that would have changed the game if, even if he didn't get Ian out, but he put Ian on the block, or if he did get Ian out and Nicole A was still there and still, do I trust Janelle? Do I not trust Janelle in that mindset? Yeah, I think it would have helped make the show a little – I mean, I, I love Ian. He, he's from Houston. I've met him after my season. I just – and he's one of the people I talk about that I loved his game back when he competed first time. But having said that, if Memphis had taken him out, then suddenly you've got Nicole Anthony, who's much closer aligned to the old school Janelle and Kaser and all of that. So you would have had a little bit more balance of power still. Uh, so it may have made that just a little bit more exciting. I don't know if Memphis would have done it or not. I know he's gotten a lot of criticism from both sides for, for just taking a safe, easy move. Nicole even called him out, said, yeah, well, congratulations. You got me, little old weak me out. And yeah, I get it. But sometimes, especially in the early part of the game, even being all-stars, you don't have to take a big shot in the very early stages of the game, especially if you think, if you know that taking that big shot is going to create enemies that may come after you. Instead, Memphis really could have played low and not had anyone so, so mad at him. Now, the problem is I don't think he – I think the way he did some of his nominations and everything was a little abrasive to some people that, that riled some feathers up. So he's on the radar, even though he took a very safe action. But that has little to do with the actions and more to do with the, the behavior as he did it. Yeah, it seems like he's not playing the strongest social game. And we've seen – Last year is not a good example, but season 20, we saw Casey. seems as these newer, these newer seasons come, the social game is one of the biggest thing. Like, do I like you? That's how, who I'm going to give the money to. Yeah. And Memphis playing all the way back, and I believe it was 2008. It's a different game. And back then it was more of the let's scream, let's do this, let's go at each other. Yeah, no, it's, it's funny. I've laughed. He, I've got quite a few years on Memphis, but I still get this feeling that he's just the grumpy old man in that house. That uh, you know, He goes to bed early. He doesn't really care what other people think, or at least he gives off that behavior. He's just, uh, I'm just Memphis, and I'm not messing with this stuff. And uh, yeah, it's so much of a social game, and it's so easy to, uh, people are just looking for the easiest possible target in there. And I, I don't know, I, I think it's going to not, I think you have to play a social game. If you don't, uh, you just – we, we saw that a little bit. Last season, I don't know, I was going to say Sam. Sam was a little bit the same way in my season where he he didn't necessarily try to stay up till 4 o'clock in the morning to take part in every single conversation. He just had his story. He was pretty straightforward. No one seemed to have you – know, he's just, I am who I am. And, uh, and I feel like Memphis is doing a little bit of that, uh, a lot more even than Sam. But – yeah, I don't know. It's different. It's certainly different from the new school way of playing uh, playing a big brother, that's for certain. Yeah, I think this is season we had the um, iconic Keisha birthday party fight. So this, it seems so far as like kumbaya, but there there should be fireworks soon once people start turning on each other. Is what there, there are huge egos in this house. There are a lot of people that see this as the opportunity to, to be the new king or queen of big brother and and 
because they did well, a lot of them in previous seasons, they think to some degree that it could be a cakewalk this season, especially when they come in and they suddenly find this big alliance and they think they're just going to walk through this house. And mm -hmm. so, yeah, as soon as reality hits and some people start understanding that some of your tight alliances actually have tighter alliances with some other people, you are going to see people absolutely exploding on each other. You look at the personalities in this house and it's fun just even trying to guess who may be the first ones to explode because there are a lot of possibilities in there. Um, so I wanted, I want to ask just an intro question. Did you watch Survivor Winners at War? I did. Yeah, quite a lot so, of fun. I want to relate that to Big Brother as in Winners at War, we had Boston Rob, Amber, Sandra, Poverty, all these old school legends being taken out early. Yeah. And in Big Brother um, 22 All-Stars too that we're ha watching right now, Keisha was taken out, and it seems like Janelle and Keisha are on the outs. So I want to ask you, do you think it's just strictly new school, old school, and there's too many new school numbers, not enough old school cast? Or do you think some pregame alliances, maybe some of these people are friends on the outside, yeah. tie into it more than that? I, I definitely, well, first of all, I, I said coming in, I expect it to be new school versus old school. Uh, and, and part of it, I think, is just that it's it's not just that it's new school, old school, but it's the fact that if you played in the early seasons of Survivor, you tend to be a little bit older. You've got families, children, wives, husbands, etc. And so I could just see the the people from earlier seasons tending to gravitate towards each other, whereas the younger people who are still in another stage of their life would tend to gravitate towards each other, creating these two sides. So I I, I do think it's fallen apart or fallen into uh, to those two sides. Well, as far as pre-gaming. I have zero doubt. I know, I know there was pre-gaming that occurred uh, because I haven't been in Big Gut Brother community that long as, as a former player. But that doesn't mean I still don't talk to people and hear things. And I, I know there was pre-gaming. And so, yeah, I think that that further developed, further led to a situation from, uh, from day one, there were alliances in that house and people that already knew they were going to be working with each other. And so, Kevin... Memphis and Danny are all four that were relatively old school. Yeah. They were in the, um, Danny played one season after Janelle, but they are they are all with the new school people. Yeah. Do you think they just realized like, hey, Janelle is going to be a sinking ship. We need to hop off and go with this other side. Or do you think it was premeditated that they're like, we're not working with Janelle. She's too dangerous. Why do you think those old school players got away scot-free and are working with Cody, uh, Nicole Franzel, Christmas, Tyler, and then Janelle and Kesar are like left on their own. Yeah, I, I, I do think it's interesting. I think it's, uh, I think it's people who were a little more flexible in their strategies. I think uh, Danny and, and Memphis both probably came in saying, I don't want it to be old school versus new school. I want to, uh, I want to do something different. I, I want to shake things up a little bit. I mean, look at, it would have been so easy for Memphis just to say, yeah, me and Keisha, we're right here. We're going to take our chances that, that we get the power enough that we can take out the new school before they get the power. He didn't do that. He really, as much as I got through saying he was straightforward, I'm just Memphis and that's all. Having said that, he did come in with a lot more flexibility of, of I'm going to work with different people and do what I can. And I think Danny has done exactly the same thing and, and has found a pretty good position. Now, having said that, I also have heard so much on the live feeds where even though Danny is in with the new school alliances and such, there's still a lot of people over there. They're saying, yeah, I don't trust Danny. She's, she's talking to these people too much. And they, so it's a dangerous game you play when, when as flexible as you try to get, you sometimes then end up lower on the totem pole on that other side. Yeah. I think Danny's playing – one of the, I think Enzo's playing the best social game because yeah. I don't think I don't see anybody putting Enzo up, but I think strategically Danny's playing the best game so far in my opinion. Um, so I want to know who do you think is playing the best game, and that person. When do you think that the rugs gonna get swept underneath them, and they're gonna be like the target number one? Yeah, I, first of all, I agree with you on Enzo. I love watching that guy. He I forgot how much fun I like watching Enzo play the game, just the stories he tells and all that. I think, and I'm I'm calling Enzo right now is probably uh, finishing second or third. I don't see him making it to the very end, but mm -hmm. I think he's going to last a long time this season. Uh, who I think is playing the the best strategic game? I think right now I'm going to hand that to Tyler, because okay. I think before this season started, Tyler was a person. Oh, he was the amazing player. He got 
should have won, you know, season 20, and he's just amazing. He's gotten in that house, and because Cody won that first HOH, and because so much power seemed to focus on Cody, and and Nicole Franzel is this huge target because of her beef with Janelle, and, and here's Tyler, such an amazing player, and yeah, he's on people's targets and radars, but he's still a lot lower than some of the other people on that side, so I think he's doing a good job. He just has to be careful because he's got so many, so many different alliances and groups that he's pledged loyalty to that he's not careful. It could all come crashing down and all of that. But I think he's playing an amazing game right now. I'm excited for, I think there's a Tyler Bailey alliance brewing from yeah. their season of 20. Yeah. And um, I've been, a lot of people have been posting on Instagram that Swaggy C and Angela never used to follow each other. And now they're liking all their posts, they're commenting. It's like one big happy family. So I think there's some, maybe a pregame alliance there, but I, I would love to see Tyler and Bailey go far together after what they went through on 20. Oh, absolutely. Because of their fight and everything. And, and it just, it, it's a nice little storyline on there. They had their huge blow up in, in season 20. And, and now are they truly going to work together? Or is one getting ready to throw one under the bus somewhere down the road and have you know, battle number two? It makes for a lot of fun watching, but yeah, I think Bailey and Davon have, are in a very good position as well, where uh, they're, they seem to be riding the middle a little bit. Uh, Bailey, perhaps even more so than Davon. Some people are more suspicious of Davon uh, mm -hmm. now, and and seems like she's she's starting to show up on people's targets list. But Bailey is just kind of uh, Bailey's just being Bailey. She's just there. She's She's friendly to everyone. She's she's not throwing herself out there with some huge target, uh, and yet she's she's in with so many groups. So yeah, you're right. A Tyler Bailey uh, alliance or, or duo would surprise some people. It, it's not. There's some groups in there that people that you expect to work together from start to finish. Uh, the two of them would be a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, earlier you said you love the cast. Um, I just want to talk to you about the cast in general really quick because I saw some people on Twitter saying that maybe we should have had a redemption or a second chance type of season yeah. that if you take Ian and Nicole F out and you can put in somebody, I'm just going to throw a name out there, like Haley from BB20 and yeah. Ramsey's from BB19, um, that you have like a season of 16 people that have never won battling for the win. Um, yeah. I want to know what your thoughts on that are. Do you like that there's winners playing against non-winners? Um, personally, myself, I was rooting for Ian on BB14, and I was rooting for Nicole on BB18. Yeah. I'm not rooting for them this season because I want to see somebody get a yeah. win that hasn't gotten a win yet, you know? Yeah. So I want to know and, what your thoughts on that are. And I'm kind of the same way. I told you before, I've met Ian. I loved his game when he played, but I don't want to see a two-time winner uh, unless, I mean, Hey, convince me. If he gets in there and, and Ian just strategic plays all these people, give it to the guy and call him the king of Big Brother. That's kind of cool as well. But, uh, yeah, you're right. It's funny as the casting occurred because originally uh, I was I was very strongly convinced Ian was going to get on. We heard Nicole was going to be on. But then you were also hearing Derek and Dan, and, and it seemed like there were going to be a lot more winners in there. I, I do think – I don't, it's kind of difficult when you only have two winners in there because as they as, as they have identified, it puts a big target on their backs and, and makes it hard for them. Mm -hmm. um, so I want to get into there were some questions that they they asked on the live feeds last week. They did it for the Facebook live group or the Facebook uh, page, and I just wanted to ask you some of the questions because I found them interesting. Sure. Um, the first one that I want to ask is if you could pick anybody from the first twenty one seasons to put on the, this season's cast, who would you have picked? You know, it's uh, it's easy to throw a big personnel like a Rachel Riley or someone yeah. else like that. But you know who I'm going to say? I think I'm going to say Vanessa Russo because I, I loved her game. She was a very strategic player. Yeah, she, there are a few times where she cried a little bit and got a little emotional, but I'm not putting, I'm not ever judging anyone after having been in a house. But I love the game that she played. She didn't win. I'd love to see her get a chance to come back and, and play another time. She just had a couple of kids, uh, so so it wasn't possible. But I'd love to see her back one of these days. Yeah. Vanessa Russo would be my pick. I'm like the biggest Vanessa Russo fan in the world. Yeah. So since you took her, I'm going to go with – I want to see Jessica Nixon play again with That'd a different be. cast than she had on 19. And 
Yeah, they really got so much more focused on Cody and Jessica as opposed to either one of them and the gameplay itself mm -hmm. and all. Uh, she'd be a lot of fun. Uh-huh. I want to know what your favorite season of all time is. Uh, the first season, I, well, I watched season one and then I kind of went away, kids and family and work and all that. But the first season I watched uh, after that was season eight with Evil Dick and Eric Stein. I just loved that season. That's still, I, I don't know if it's because the first one I watched and it's the one that got me hooked or just because it was such such a great season. But yeah. uh, eight has definitely got to to be my, my top season of all. I'm trying to think of some of the others and I'm not sure. I mean, every season is unique, and and I've enjoyed most of them. But yeah, I think eight's got to be, got to be the top one. Um, all right. So my next question is: If you were brought back to play again on an All Stars three, a Second Chances, um, whichever the season is, who's one person from your season, and one person from another season that you would want to play with, or even play against if you would prefer play against? Yeah, uh, playing with from my season. Uh, Probably, I mean, I, if I throw Nicole Anthony, I don't care how she did in this last season. She's always going to be my ride or die. But assuming that's too easy of an answer, yeah. <laughs> I, I would love to play with Tommy uh, okay. because I, I think Tommy is an amazing person. Uh, he's, a, he's a phenomenal player. We just never were on the same side. We always yeah. were going after each other. So I, I'd love to sit down and play with Tommy. Uh, from another season, uh, you know who I'll throw out there? I think it would be a lot of fun to play with Donnie Thompson. Uh, okay. <laughs> he's, he, he's such a fun guy. I, I think he and I would, would get along extremely well. And I think we could show those youngins a thing or two and, and, yeah. and have fun in that house. That, that would be interesting to watch. I would really like to see you and Donnie play together. Um, so I want to dive more into your season. But before, I want to just know something that a lot of people are interested in is the casting process. Yeah. So I want to know were how did you get cast how many years have you been auditioning did you send an audition tape in did you go to a i believe they do like restaurants like the casting calls because i remember yeah, yeah, yeah. telling a story about that so just if you could talk about your your sure. situation yeah I, i'm gonna make people mad probably when i tell them i tried out once and, and that oh. was it i i've always thought it'd be fun to go on big brother survivor shows like that i yeah I've played the game in my head for so long, so I always wanted to do it. But yeah, life just gets in the way sometimes. But last, I guess it's yeah, last year still. Uh, I, I followed Haley Broker on on Twitter, I think, and she she posted uh, on her Twitter feed there was going to be an open casting call at a bar uh, here in Houston. And my wife and I actually were going to the uh, the Houston rodeo has a big barbecue cookoff, and we already had plans to do that, so I was already. I already had my cowboy hat on, my boots. I, we were ready for the rodeo. Uh, and we said, well, we're early. Let's just go ahead and go by and see who else trying out for the show. It's going to be fun just to watch the people in line, what kind of characters there are and things like that. We got there about 10 minutes before the line shut down. And, and I, I stood there and said, well, let's just go get in line. If we're going to stand, look at the people, might as well get in line as well. So I sat there, I started talking to the people around me, and finally I said, yeah, why not? I'm going to try out just to tell my kids I tried out, because my kids are on the phone saying, do not try out for, you can't be on that show. Don't try out for that show, Dad. I said, no, I'm going to do it just to show them. So I actually got in, I talked to the little cast of the casting people that were there, and I had nothing planned. All I did was just sit there and talk and tell a few stories and laugh and, and things like that. And next thing you know, I'm getting a call, and, and next thing you know, I'm in Los Angeles. It was... I say it's a whirlwind process, but the casting call was in February. The show was in June. So it is a drawn out process that takes a lot of time. But uh, yeah, it, it's just for the moment that you never know where life is going to lead you, what paths it may take you down. Mm -hmm. um, so did you ever have a moment of like, before they told you that you were on, did you like have a moment where you were like, I definitely got this. They like me. I know I'm going to be on it. Like have a feeling or what, were you just like hoping the entire time and you, didn't feel confident until they called you or emailed you that you were officially. Yeah. Yeah. It was funny because I spent the whole time uh, telling myself, Oh, this is so cool. This is such an amazing thing to brag about that. I, I made it past that first one. I got to talk to the people, but I kept telling my wife over and over again saying, this is cool, but they're going to call tomorrow or the next day and say, we appreciate it. But it just didn't work out. And so I really was trying to keep myself grounded uh, when I got that eventual call. And I think probably about two or three weeks before they flew out here and they grabbed me is when I sat down with my wife and said, 
you know, I'm still in the mix. There can't be that many folks still up for, for consideration. I think there's a good chance I may make it on the show. So then all of a sudden, and again, two or three weeks beforehand, then suddenly you start have to mentally preparing yourself for being on the show uh, and knowing that you're going to be gone for a long period of time and thinking about strategies and everything else. And so, so yeah, it really was, there was a very fine line where, where I suddenly thought, geez, I think this may happen. Mm-hmm. But to follow that up, I didn't know for certain until I had my key uh, that I found and, and it wasn't staged uh, on the show that first episode when they showed me find my key that that was a one shot that was it and that's wow. what I did for certain oh wow okay um because so they, do, they do a good job of telling you that oh you know yeah we're gonna come out we're gonna film you and all this and that but we do it with so many people we've got alternates all these other people and so even at that point because I've, I've had so many people say, well, if they come out and they film you, surely you know you're on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but they do a pretty good job of letting you think that, that you may still not quite be there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to talk about your fellow cast members. And there's this little game I've been playing called First Impressions. Because okay. um, I find it interesting after you spend 99 days, well, 90, 92, you were yeah. basically spent seven days with the jury. What Going all the way back to day one, what was your first impression? Seeing or talking to these people for the first time. So I just want to give you a name of one of your house guests, and I want you to think of what your first thought of them was. Okay, sure. I just thought we'd start easy. Nicole Anthony, your ally, what was your first thought of her? Little, nothing. I mean, I, I, I barely remember meeting her on the first day. I, I do remember she said something about she worked in a preschool as like a preschool aide, and just very, very nice, but very much non-threatening and just just not even someone I thought about one way or the other too much. Okay. Jessica. Uh, Jessica. Uh, big personality. She was, I, I remember her smile was a big deal when I, when I walked in there and she was just so just smiling at everyone and just seemed like a very friendly individual. Okay. Kemi. Uh, Kimmy. Oh, uh, beautiful woman. She, she was very friendly as well. And uh, actually on that first day after we were banished, I told her and Jessica, man, we got to work together. It never worked out, but uh, um, yeah, she was a uh, uh, beautiful, beautiful lady. Sam. Sam, <laughs> Sam, loud. Sam, Sam was loud. Uh, Sam being a, uh, a fellow uh, dad, uh, husband. Uh, so I immediately felt some affinities with Sam. Okay. And then my last one I have is Tommy. Tommy. I've described Tommy as the Energizer Bunny uh, because from the second I got in that house, man, he is jumping around everywhere and uh, uh, he, he was full of energy. He was so excited to be in that house and he immediately jumped out. And I, the second I saw Tommy, I said, oh, he's going to be a star of this thing. Everyone's going to love Tommy because he just had that energy about him. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Um, so I feel like each season, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you have some special connection with your season. You went through something together, the 16 of you, that nobody else went through, right? Right. So I want to know how your gameplay would have differed if, let's say, you went to that casting call a year earlier and you weren't Big Brother 20, or two years earlier and you weren't Big Brother 19. So how would you have differed if you played with the Josh, Christmas, Paul, or on BB20 with the Bailey, Casey, Tyler, Angela? That's a good question. I, uh, I don't think the way I would play the game, I don't think it would change that much because I know being 54 at the time, I wasn't going to be the competition beast. I mean, I knew there were some games I could win, but I was going to have to rely on my social game to, to a large extent. And I also knew being the old guy, I would be an easy early first target. So uh, I, I don't think the way I came into the house would change that much, uh, but the dynamics of the house – would, certainly would have changed with season 20, for example, where you, where you had Fauté and level six, you had a little more balance between the two sides. Uh, in, in that situation, hmm, I, I would have probably tried to, to toe the line. I, I don't call myself a floater because I, once I develop loyalties, I stick with those people, but I certainly would have tried to be friendly with everyone and, and not presented myself as a huge threat and, uh, and tried to really stay under the radar in the first half of, the season. I don't know. That's, that's a very good question. I, 
as much as people say they're going to change their games based on the environment around them and all that, I think we're all very set in our ways. And, and I think, I think we're seeing that at all stars a little bit where no matter how much you think you're going to change, you play what, what feel, feels more, most natural to you. And so I don't know that I would change it that much, but I would have had to respond to a lot of different situations in some of those seasons. Yeah. Lots of different personalities. Um, so I want to get into the beginning of Big Brother 21. You uh, were on the bottom of yeah. the house. Uh, there was the six shooters. There was Grateful. There was all these different alliances with all these people that didn't involve you. Did you know you were at the bottom? Um, I mean, obviously you knew you were, at, you were at the bottom, but did you realize how many people were actually in this alliance? Or did you think it was just like Mickey and Jack are running the show and everybody else is just going with the house? No, I pretty much knew pretty quick. Uh, and part of the issue is because I was banished on that first day. And unfortunately, and, and you don't see as much with the edits and everything else, but when I was banished that first day, from the time I got taken out of the house until I fought my way back in was an extended period of time. It's like an entire afternoon. And so that is critical time to develop relationships and get to know one another. And, and I missed out on it. And I think either the first night or the second night, I woke up and I heard uh, Mickey and, and Christy in particular giving each other, kind of laughing. They'd given each other fake names, pet names or whatever. And I thought, man, they, they have bonded overnight while I was in bed or whatever. They have bonded. And, and within, the, again, the first couple of days, I noticed that entire group sitting out on the hammock together talking. Uh, as soon as we got the, the backyard, they were out there in a group. And as soon as I saw the way they were their body language with each other, I said, oh, that's it. They're, those eight people are together. They're four duos of two. And so now I was pretty much aware from, from the very beginning uh, that, that there was a big group and I was not part of it. Okay. So we had, your season was notorious for the camp comeback twist. Yeah. Um, so I want to ask what are your thoughts on camp comeback were um, in the house and then how they changed since leaving the house. Um, and then I have an idea. I've, I haven't, I had an idea about camp comeback that I want to run by you and see what your thoughts are. Okay. I, um, I, I don't like any twist that sends someone out on day one. I, I just don't like that. Especially now going through the casting process, knowing how much people have invested in this thing to go out the door without even getting to spend the night in the house. I just don't like it. So so I'm not a fan of, of the whole banishment and camp director and things that we went through. I can't come back. I like the idea that people who have been booted aren't necessarily in sequester, but they're there interacting with us still. What I perhaps don't like as much is the fact that uh, they had to go sleep in their own room and were isolated. They couldn't watch the competitions and all of that. It, it created a, it created an uncomfortable situation and now having seen the shows back and we're all aware of some of the criticisms and all and and it just i think it sets itself to create even more discomfort and so I, I, maybe that's not my favorite part of it but i love the idea of people who are out that are still somehow back in the house and interacting uh, and, and I'll, I'll finish up real quick with the, that thought uh ovi before we knew what the battle back was going to be Ovi was convinced that whoever came back was going to perhaps be voted somehow or the people inside the house were going to have some influence in who came back in the house. And that would have been very interesting if that had happened, where even though you've been booted, you still had to play a social game in order to make it back into that house. That would have been a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, it kind of reminded me of the Edge of Extinction twist yeah. um, in Survivor. But I want to throw an idea out, and this might be a terrible idea, but I was just thinking about Big Brother 21 um, this week because I interviewed Jessica from your season last week. Um, how do you think it would have changed if they still lived in the house, Ovi, you, Jessica, and David, yeah. um, but they were allowed to play in the competitions and they were allowed to vote. But the caveat is if they won, let's say Ovi won HOH, he couldn't be HOH. He would have to pick somebody else to be HOH. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, that, that suddenly gives them a, a lot of power. Um, I, yeah, I kind of like that idea. I'm sure people throw out some, some pros and cons, but I like the idea because then that forces people to still keep them within the game. And yeah. 
and such. Uh, and and they have a lot of power, and yet they still know they're going to have to fight to to get back in. So now, all right, on the at a first impression, I kind of like that that concept. That's that would make it that would make it fun because that was the problem we ran into in there is that it's hard enough knowing that you're going to have to fight your way back in, but but then Jack sitting at the table telling all of us that you know can we all agree that that we aren't going to talk to anyone who's already been booted. You can't disagree with the HOH at the time who hadn't even made his noms yet. You have to just kind of gripe about it, but do it in, in private. But because of the edict that he put down, I think it made, it just made for an uncomfortable situation a little bit that they were isolated and, and we weren't always comfortable getting to talk to them and all that. Yeah. So yeah, your idea would change that up. That'd be a lot of fun. Thank you. So um, I want to get to the jury. Um, the beginning of jury, end of pre-jury, when grateful, hateful, six, whatever their name was at that time, blows up. Yeah. And it seems like at this time, it's Christy and it's Mickey. Yeah. And it seems one of them is going to go. It's, for the most part, it seemed like Mickey was on the outs. Um, but we don't get Christy or Mickey out for another couple weeks. Yeah. We get Jack, and we get Jessica and Elise. Kat goes, not in that particular order, but... How do you, th why do you think you guys saved Christy and Mickey for so long? Um, and how do you think it would have differed if they were shooting at each other and let's say Christy goes one week and then Mickey goes and they're both out right in the beginning? Yeah, um, it, it is funny how it worked because I, I knew, as we said before, I knew there was this huge alliance and, and I had to just wait for those guys to fall apart. And so... I feel like I played a little bit of a part of driving some wedges between Christy and Mickey because I kind of whispered to both of them some things the other person was doing and such. But, yeah, they definitely went head-to-head. -head and uh, uh, Mickey, Mickey, I didn't want to go too early because I really came in with the strategy of I'm going to find some big competitive person that I can align to, let them be a bit of a target ahead of me. And, and now that part didn't work out quite so well. But I did think I, I need someone who I can ride some coattails in the first half that's going to protect me a few weeks. And, uh, and and so I had told him, I said, man, Mickey, I know y'all are a big alliance, but I'd love to work with you. I'll be an extra vote for your side. And uh, and so I, I definitely wanted to work with him in the beginning. Christy, I was a little bit surprised. We thought she was heading out the door. And then she made a lot of promises. And, and I got to say, no one – no one knew, no one really expected that she would keep a lot of her promises, but uh, you, you know, there, there were still some targets out there and uh, she, she's a little bit like a, a dangerous snake. You know, she's dangerous, uh, but it, as long as she's pointing at someone else, sometimes you're, uh, you're okay with it. Yeah. I think she played one of the best games last season. Oh, yeah. I mean, she was on the outs and she was on the block three, four weeks in a row. And yeah. to, to be safe each week. Um, and it's not like she was a pawn that was just like, let's put her there. She was a big threat because she was pretty much running the show in, in the beginning. Um, I think she, she played a great game. Yeah, and I, I tell you, I mean, she uh, – and I told you I tried to align with Mickey in the beginning, but then he started winning a lot of competitions. And there was a uh, – there was certainly a part of me that said, at some point someone's going to have to take him out. And I thought Christy, she obviously wanted him out. So – I kept thinking, all right, I'm not so upset that she's still here because even though she nominated me her first week, even though, you know, I, we, weren't, we weren't the tightest of, of allies, but if she ever got power, I knew she was going to go after Mickey and take out a big target. So I was okay thinking the two of them would eventually come he heads up against each other. It just never quite happened. Yeah, you play the Jeremy Collins game from Survivor Cambodia where yeah, yeah. he was a huge threat. But he kept Spencer there. He kept Joe. He kept Tasha. He kept all these big threat. Wentworth, because he knew when it comes down to it, people are gonna gun for them before they gun for him. That's and right. He got the he got the win. Um, I want to talk about final six. Um, three duos. I think this was the double eviction night. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we have Christy and Tommy who have known each other for years. Yeah. Um, you and Nicole who have and playing on the bottom and have a strong relationship. And then we have Holly and Mickey who are in a romantic relationship. Yeah. Um, and you were working with Mickey and Holly. Did you ever think to work with Christy and Tommy, 
your duo and their duo because they're less of challenge beasts um, than Mickey, who's won four HOHs. I don't remember the exact number of power vetoes. I think it was like two, three. And then Holly, who can also win a couple comps here and there. Did you ever think to go with those two and make that foursome? Or did oh, yeah. it never stick in your head because you couldn't trust them? Well, no, we certainly thought Nicole and I went back and forth. And that was a funny week because everyone was telling the other duos that we're going after the other one. We're telling Mickey and Holly that, hey, we're telling them we're going after y'all, but just be aware it's not. And then we're telling Tommy and Christy the same thing about Mickey and Holly. And they're doing the same things to us. So it was, we always talked about it, just pointing guns at the others. Everyone's pointing guns two different directions. But now we thought very seriously about it. Uh, at the end of the day, there were a couple of reasons that I wasn't so keen on it. One is that Tommy and Christy had both already put me up uh, multiple times on the block. And so I didn't feel a connection as tight with them as I did with Mickey and Holly. But really the biggest, the two biggest kickers, I think, one is that we fully were expecting to see more mental comps towards the end of the season. And I had a huge fear of Tommy and Christy both when it came to mental competitions. Those guys, I would hear them, I'd walk by a room and hear them practicing their dates and what happened when and names of competitions. And they had that stuff down pat. And, and, and I just really feared them from a, from a competition standpoint, especially with the, the mental competitions. Uh, the other side, yeah, Mickey was a beast, but at the time he hadn't won any mental comps. It had been purely physical. And so I thought there was still a chance from his side. Uh, the other situation as well is that, yeah, Holly won a couple of competitions, but one of them was fairly random rolling a ball. And, and the other one was a very much an endurance competition, which I didn't think we'd see any more of those after having just done the wall comp. And, and so I did, I saw, I saw Holly being the weakest of those four other people. And I thought it was better that we would have her and Mickey in as opposed to being still in a house with Tommy and Christy, who I thought were both very strong competition beasts when it came to the middle competitions. Yeah, that makes sense. So you guys get Christy out. Um, and I'm not, I'm not going to go into detail about, because I, I, you've answered it a bunch of times, why you guys took Tommy out over Mickey. Yeah, it's okay. Um, but I do want to ask, if you did, I mean, instead of Holly, sorry, if you did take Holly out and the final four was you, Mickey, Nicole, and Tommy, knowing what the comps were, how do you think it plays out? In your unbiased opinion, what do you think the final two is and who do you think ends up winning the season? Yeah, I think, uh, I think after the argument that Mickey and Tommy had, there's no way that Tommy throws that next HOH. I think he wins it. That's the one we hang on with the rope uh, slamming against the 18 wheel. Not my competition. <laughs> I think Tommy wins it, so he's safe. I think Mickey still wins that the slingshot veto competition. I think he takes me out uh, one because now I know that he viewed me as a big as a big threat from a social game as far as getting voted on the final two. Plus, he's he's upset that he feels betrayed that I sent Holly out the door. So. I think I still go home fourth. Uh, probably at that point, it then comes down to to Mickey and Tommy. Uh, prob nothing against Nicole, but but I think Mickey and Tommy probably win the first two parts of the the final competition. Uh, whoever wins that one uh, wins the final question and answer, true false type deal. Uh, probably then takes Nicole to the final two. And, and then either Mickey or, or Tommy wins the final, the final vote. Uh, and so in another world, if we done it like that, I think Nicole shifts up one spot and comes in second instead of third. Uh, I finish in the same spot at fourth place. The problem is, I think, and you're right, we've talked about some, but I, I think the problem is that in that scenario, there is zero chance that Nicole actually wins the competition and, and, very, very minimal chance that, that I that I win the final one. We, we took a risk. I mean, we knew going in that that keeping a showmance was a dangerous situation, but we thought that the only chance for us to get to a, for either one of us to win the entire thing was for both of us to get to a final two. And it seemed like the best chance to get to a final two was to have a final three with Holly as opposed to Tommy, because I just, we view Tommy as a much more dangerous competition than Holly. Yeah, I think that's pretty accurate. And I agree that if it's Tommy and Nicole, Tommy wins. I would have thought that if it was Mickey and 
Nicole, Nicole would have won. But I mean, you were in the jury house, you were there. Yeah. So you think Mickey would have beaten Nicole in the final? Absolutely. Yeah, and, and there's two reasons. One, people didn't give Nicole enough credit for her gameplay. Part of it is because she came on strong after so many of those people were out of the house and in the jury room, jury house. So they didn't, they didn't get to see her playing the game necessarily, and they only see quick little clips. Uh, so they didn't see her. They, they didn't give her nearly enough credit. Plus, there's a lot of people that were still very protective of Grateful Eight, the six shooters, whatever. And, and we were firmly convinced, and I still am, that there's a lot of people who would have given it to anyone who was part of that original alliance just to make that alliance look like, yeah, we got our alliance person to the very end. So good job, guys. We did what we wanted to do. So for those two reasons alone, I think Mickey or Tommy, uh, unfortunately, beat, beat Nicole if it comes down to a final two. Okay. Um, what about Holly wins the final HOH, or even Nicole, and they yeah. take each other and kick Mickey to the curb? Who do you think wins between Holly and Nicole? That's a very good question. I uh, and, and Nicole's going to reach out across the the cyber world and, and slap me in the face for saying it, but I I think Holly wins that uh, still wins that uh, that final two with Nicole. And it's, it's part of it is that once again, we have a member of that, the Grateful Eight that's in the final two. So she's going to get some of those votes. Uh, she, Holly did a great job of, of creating a lot of friendships and social games. She, you know, Mickey won because of the competition wins and everything he had. But from a social game, Holly, Holly was a beast at it. And so I think that would have paid off in the end. And I, I it wouldn't have been. Obviously, it wouldn't have been unanimous because I, you know, where my vote would have gone, and there's a lot of others who would have voted Nicole. I think it would have been a closer vote, but I think Holly would have won it still. Okay, uh, I want to ask one or two more questions about Holly because she interests me in the fact that a lot of people think Mickey just kind of carried her to the end. Yeah. Um, so I want to ask you, how do you think Holly would have done if her and Mickey never got romantically involved? Like, let's say Mickey. Yeah stayed with Kat or sure. they just never clicked. And how do you think Holly would do on a season, on a second chance season with all vets and all people that know what they're doing and she doesn't have romance? Yeah, oh, I, I think she would do very well. She, uh, she played an amazing game. She almost played herself out of winning the thing because she was so, she was so under the radar and so she didn't even get on the the nomination block until the very end where there were only a couple of us left and there weren't any choices uh so she played a phenomenal game about staying under the radar not appearing to be a threat to anyone now the the danger in doing that is because she played so under the radar at the end people may not have viewed her as being someone who controlled a lot of the game or or sent a lot of people out the door and and things like that and, and so there may have been people who said she didn't have the resume at the very end, but I think she played a great game. If she comes back in, she doesn't have the the romantic attachments and everything else. I think she uh, she still develops the relationships, and I, I think she goes extremely far into the game. So at the end, you ended up voting for Mickey to win, yeah. um, and you explained your decision saying, I didn't want to be a bitter jury member. Um, Obviously, you didn't know who the final two were until finale night. When you saw Mickey and Holly, did you know, like, I'm voting for Mickey no matter what? Or do those questions and answer, question and answer sessions really have, like, an effect on the jury? Uh, no, it really had an effect. I didn't know. It, it was a long week debating back and forth. And, and here's the issue, and this is a little insider that some people may not know. I never went to the jury house. But because I was the fourth person voted out, I went straight to uh, another location where I was sequestered. And uh, so I never got an opportunity to interact with all the other people who had already been sent out the door, uh, who I'm sure had opportunities to talk about who they liked, who they didn't like, and come up with some ideas. I was, a, I was all alone uh, with my own thoughts about who I wanted to pick. And, and I went back and forth because obviously Vicky was a huge competition beast. Strategically, I think he played a great game. Hey, he played me. I mean, he, he did what he had to do from, from a manipulation standpoint to, to win points as well. But from a social, from a jury management, uh, he gave me a horrible goodbye message. And it's like, do I really just ignore that? I've got to take that into consideration as well. So I was going back and forth that entire week. And I finally 
I finally said, I, I think I may be leaning towards Mickey a little bit, but I'm going to see what, how they respond to those questions and do they, do they have good answers or not. And, and I didn't hear anything from either one of them that made me feel like suddenly they didn't deserve it. And so to some degree, I still stuck with what I originally had, had thought, but I was very much, I remember even, even after they finished the jury questions, they cut to a commercial before we went and did the actual vote. And I spent time just looking at the two keys in my bag saying, what in the hell am I going to do? And, and eventually I'm comfortable with the decision I made. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was, it was right up to the last minute trying to decide. But I did do that. I did not want to be a bitter jury. At the end of the day, I, I told myself going in, I'm not going to let emotion control this game. I'm going to make you know, decisions based on logic, uh, strategy, and all that. And from a purely logical standpoint, uh, he just played a great game. Mm -hmm. um, so I want to go back to the part where you didn't go to the jury house because Angela from Big Brother 20 made a YouTube video where I saw somewhere she was talking about how she never got to go to the jury house. Yeah. She got evicted fourth, fourth. Yeah, yeah, and then went to the Dr. Will fire round table. Yeah. Round table, and then they brought her back to a hotel. Yeah, yeah. Um, why do you think they bring the fourth person back to the hotel instead of just letting them stay in the jury house? Is it a time thing? Is it? I, I, th I think it's logistics. I think that, uh, uh, and having not gone to the jury house, I don't know where it was located, but uh, I, I get the impression it probably wasn't real close to, to the studio and all of that. And so uh, when we did the round table, uh, they just, I went straight to the round table the next night. And so uh, everyone else who had been in jury house got brought back to the, the CBS location to, okay. to do, do the round table. So I think once everyone was back in, in that location, it just became easier to, uh, to, to put us all uh, close, close to the site and, and just do it like that. All right. Um, so I want to talk about something that, which I'm very fascinated with, with Big Brother is, you guys don't know what's going on in the real world. Yeah. You have no clue. So, and especially if you're in the jury house, you go just to a different house, right? Yeah, yeah. But when you get out, I want to first talk about um, Julie Chen address, Julie Chen Moonves, sorry, um, addressing the controversies of the season. Did you, obviously you weren't a part of any of the yeah. controversy, but did you mention that finale night um, or were you totally like, what is happening? I have no clue what's going on. Yeah. Um, so what was your reaction when um, Julie talks about the controversy and addresses Jack, Christy, and Mickey? Yeah, I had no clue. I really, I, I uh, at one point we had America's field trip where Mickey and Christy and Sis got picked for America's field trip. And we told them, said, oh, we don't know if that means that people like you or don't like you. But Internally, I knew that that meant they were not America's favorites, that there was they were not liked. But there was a difference between not being liked and some of the things that were brought up uh, during that finale night, which I had no clue because, you know, a lot of the conversations and some of the, the things they talked about didn't occur while, while I was in. I wasn't privy to the conversations, especially and, and they talked about the bullying and some of those things. And uh, yeah, it was a uh, yeah, I, I'm sure my jaw just dropped the whole time. I didn't know about Kat and, and Nick inside the jury house and the whole Bella blow up. And there were so, I didn't know about, well, I guess I knew about Kat and Holly knowing each other. I, I learned that at the jury round table. Yeah, I, I really didn't have a clue uh, that all of this was going on and it caught me off guard. We'd already cast the vote. So, you know, it's not as though any of that, that part, it was already decided who had won the game and everything. And so now I'm sitting here just kind of decompressing and then I hear all this come up and uh, yeah, it caught me off guard. I wasn't expecting to hear that. Um, so after we found out Mickey wins, uh, we found out the final three for America's favorite are you, Tommy, Nicole, Anthony. Um, yeah. so you're, you're aware that America loves you at that point. You don't have to, <laughs> um, but then you guys go do interviews in the backyard um, yeah. for all the once that's over, what, what was like the first thing you do? Obviously, I'm assuming you called your family and talked yeah. to them, but you're now not just Cliff Hogg. You now have all these social media fans. You're, everybody that watches Big Brother knows who you are. And it's yeah. not even that you're a Big Brother player. You're also a finalist for America's Favorite Player. So yeah. um, 
how was it getting out of the house? Um, what was your first things you wanted to do? Um, and how was the fan reaction to you? Because I'm sure, even though you were America's favorite, yeah. there's always going to be trolls. There's always going to be haters that just decide to throw negative sure, stuff. Sure. What was your experience like? Uh, it, it was wild. We uh, The game's over. I, we wait around forever before we finally go to the backyard. We're doing all our press interviews. And, and I keep saying, yeah, when do I get to see my family? Oh, uh, you got to do this stuff first. And then, then a little bit later. So we do all of that. Then there's a little rap party where everyone is, is getting a chance to interact and, and just uh, talk to a lot of people involved with the production. And finally, I, I get to see my family and it, it's late at night and, uh, we all get our phones back. I talk to my family and, and meet them and I just, it's amazing. And it's, of course, my first question is every, is everyone okay? Is everything, anything happened? And I, no, no, we're good. We're good. And uh, so uh, I just went through the process of making sure, finding out everything that's happened in the world and, uh, and getting, uh, getting to be, I had my wife and uh, my two kids and my mom were all out there and, and my wife, uh, my kids, uh, boyfriend and girlfriend. So I had a whole group there with me did that and then the next day all these people go to Vegas to go hang out and party and I said nah, I'm not doing that I'm we're gonna do the California tourist type thing we went down Hollywood Boulevard and did all the things that you do when you're in LA and that was it, it's such a it's such an interesting deal because you were locked in with the same people for 13 weeks yeah. where you're hearing the same stories and talking to the same people over and over again and suddenly you're just cast out to the world where I'm on Hollywood Boulevard and there's thousands of people everywhere and uh but i do remember i was posing for some pictures with with my wife uh, with hollywood hill sign in the background and as we're doing it a couple of people came came up and said you're cliff from big brother right and i said yeah i am and they all wanted to pose for for pictures with me and so that was the first time i really had fans that kind of interacted and mm -hmm. big brother with them for a second started answering some questions and yeah that was incredibly cool before Big Brother, I had, I think, eight followers on Twitter. I didn't even have an Instagram account. And suddenly I get out and I spent a day or two working with my, my son and daughter who know the platforms well. Because we had some trolls that were impersonating me and doing all kinds of stuff. And wow. I got all that fixed. And, and then I had to deal with social media. And you're right. 99% of the people, well, maybe not 99%, 95% of the people out on social media are incredible people. But you certainly have some trolls. You have some that that are very interested in your decisions and want to be, want to criticize your decisions, which is fair game. And I have no problem with that whatsoever. Uh, but then you also have some that are just, just bitter people that just want to, uh, to drag other people down. And, and it took a little while to get used to it and realize that, man, just ignore the people that aren't in it for the right reasons. And, and now I love social media and I've been doing podcasts and shows and, and posting and I have a blast with it, but yeah, there's, there's definitely different elements within the social media world. Mm -hmm. uh, one thing I believe I read somewhere that you're a fan of the challenge yeah I love the challenge so I want to just ask really quick uh, what were your thoughts on last season and who's your favorite challenger well I like last season because obviously we had a bunch of big brother 2021 20, alums in there and uh, and they did pretty well I mean you know we had Essie and Casey and Bailey all make it to the finals so that was a lot of fun um just like every other season of the challenge, I watch so many of those competitions and think, man, I would literally die doing yeah. that. I mean, not figuratively. Literally, I would probably just fall, kill over dead from some of those comps they do. If you tell me to run five or six miles up a mountain in the snow, that may be the end of old boss hog. But no, I, I love the show. As far as favorites, uh, God, there's so many. I, CT or Wes maybe just uh, are fun. Bear drives me crazy I just guy he just irritates me but he's always so much fun to watch I he, he just makes for great tv so there are a lot of characters it's so over the top on that show it's it's fun to watch I had fun inside the house because I actually towards the end I'm trying to drive a little bit of a wedge between Mickey and Holly because obviously yeah. they are showmance we sat out in the backyard one night drinking some wine and I just kept telling Mickey he needed to go on a challenge and all the people hook up there and all and and he was so excited about possibly going on that show and holly really got upset with them yeah she felt like he was more interested in the idea that everyone hooks up more so than the competitions and yeah and so once i saw she was a little irritated i kept driving that wedge a little bit and 
it didn't work at the end, but I tried. But uh, yeah, we talked about the, the challenge while we were inside the house as well. All right. Um, so really quick to wrap up. It's, I think, August 22nd today. Yeah. Who's your pick to win Big Brother 22 All-Stars 2? If you had to pick right now, prediction, who do you think is winning the game? I'm going to throw Tyler in there. I think Tyler? Tyler's in a good spot, yeah. Okay. Um, so I just want to say thanks for coming on. Um, being my second guest, I've had two Big Brother 21 alum now. Uh, All right, who, who beat me on here? Jessica. Jessica. Okay. I love Jessica. Cliff's Angels. All right, yeah. Jessica. Um, and then if you want to just shout out your any social media, or I know you do with YouTube channel, and just yeah. where can people find you? Yeah, uh, on Instagram, I'm Cliff.hog. On Twitter, I'm Cliff underscore hog. So very easy to find me on both. Uh, but two other things. I am doing a, a morning wrap-up, a little 15-minute wrap-up of the overnight feeds. I post every morning around 7 o'clock or so. Uh, and, and you can find that on my Instagram uh, post. Uh, and again, just a quick little summary wrap-up. Uh, I'm also doing a show on the TV Co. app uh, every Monday night, 8 o'clock Eastern, 7 o'clock Central. We talk about Big Brother, but also travel stories and, and just all, all the crazy stories I've developed over the years. So that's on the TV Co app and yeah, come out a free app and we do that. It's interactive. So I get to answer questions and talk to talk to viewers and all of that. Have a blast. Cool. But yeah, uh, find me on Instagram or Twitter. I, I'm huge. I try to answer as many questions as I can. So find me, DM me and, and I'll, I'll give you the inside scoop. Sounds good. Well, thanks for coming on. Thanks for taking time out of your day. Um, uh, Hope you have a good day, and I'm hoping Janelle wins the veto today, to be honest. Oh, wouldn't that be so much fun, Dan? We will see chaos reign in the house. I'm, it may not bode well for, for Kayser if, if that happens. And I love Kayser. I think he's a phenomenal player, and I want him to do well. But I still want to see Janelle win veto. <laughs> All right. Appreciate you having me on. Thank you so much. Thank you, Cliff. Have a good day. Cheers. You too. Well, that was my second interview with Cliff Hogg. Um, I want to thank Cliff for coming on. I'm going to put all his social medias in the description below. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Dylan underscore Deckard underscore, which will also be in the description below. Thanks for listening, guys.